if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. We fall back to previous patterns of behavior that aren't serving us anymore, but it's all we know. It's what's familiar. You see it with celebrities, professional athletes, people who win the lottery. They get this influx of money coming in and they almost don't even trust it and they blow it. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are coming at you this week with Jessica Weaver, the money queen. Uh, to talk about like manifestation and that sort of stuff. It's a fun chat. And kind of managing your money too, actually, just from a, like, from a practical point of view too. It's not all woo woo really. Yeah. Money managing. I could Although there is some God talk, there is some sort of religious God. sentiment. There, and there was but... like that, uh, cause they were the, they were the ones that they could like help you save money and do that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, right? With yeah. the multiple accounts and the, I mean, I'm getting ready to try and save some money. It's uh, good. Here it goes. I want to buy that land. It's coming. It's coming. I'm hoping within like a year. Right on. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. that's planned. So how's it going over in Gramland? That's uh, just. I don't know. I'm not really ready for like a foot of snow. I mean, I'm ready for like minus eighteen and a foot of snow. Like it's getting a little bit ridiculous already. It it's only the beginning of November, so it did happen fast. But it does seem like it's kind of winter. We had a good fall, right? Nice warm weather. Uh, well, I don't know. Did we? I don't know. It was hot. It was a hot fall. Was it? I didn't enjoy it because it was kind of not great for hunting, and I didn't get I any like duck hunting. Skipped right. Sorry, what would you say? I can't. I, I shouldn't went, talk over you. Again. I only went duck hunting once this year because it was just hot as fuck and dry as fuck, and then everything's frozen now. Well, maybe that's why I thought that we skipped right past fall. I mean, it just seems like, and I guess we had that trip that we we were on for during it, so that kind of, you know, it was a couple weeks away, three weeks away from, like, real fall in, in Alberta, so I feel like we skipped right by it. Well, there's no way we're pulling out of winter at this point. I mean, I was looking at the forecast for while we're away, and it's like, it doesn't get above zero again. I don't think it's going to get above zero again for a minute. Uh, I know in some years, it's like, uh, it's above zero till December, January on a re- on a decent regular basis. So this yeah. is going to be nasty. It's going to be a rough winter. Seems like. That's okay. Winter's good. But- we will be in Egypt for a couple of weeks here. Actually, we might as well talk about that now and just mention we have a UK meetup there uh, on this Thursday night for anybody in the UK posse that can come down towards Heathrow. At the White House pub? The Is White Horse pub. The White Horse <laughs> pub. Yeah. yeah. I thought the White House seemed kind of weird. Yeah, no, White Horse pub. Yeah, it seems like a really cool pub. And I called them and they're like, yeah, yeah, come on by. And uh, so we're going to meet there at 8 o'clock this Thursday November the 12th? What is it? No, it's the 11th. No, the it's 11th. the 10th. The 10th. November the 10th at 8 o'clock, Whitehorse Pub near Heathrow. 
You can check our Telegram if you want. Um, actually, I should pin it in the Telegram. I'll pin, pin it in it. the Telegram. And what? then and pin it, and then we fly to Cairo the next day, I think, right? Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Exciting times. I'm a little nervous. About what? Oh, just, oh, you know, all the immigration shit. I guess we're going to have to go through customs a couple of times, and it's always a fucking pain. It's easy for you white boys, but I'm brown. Well, you fit right in. I will fit right in in Egypt. I mean, you're the terrorist. You're the terrorist in Egypt. But in the UK. uh, Not only am I white, man, a single, uh, non-binary. No, no. I mean. They're not single. uh, A cis cis, cis white man. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You're a cis white male. I'm not, I'm, I like freedom. That's a problem. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, I'm just checking off all those boxes. That's a real problem in Egypt. Is it? Yeah. I don't know what to expect, but it's going to be fun either way. At least we're going with a fantastic group of people. A bunch of people. I was looking at the telegram list today and it's like, I know a bunch of these people. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Toured around the, you know, the scabla and stuff like that. Speaking of tours, I did want to mention, we do have that uh, magic on the mountain event coming up in mid February at Mount Shasta in California with, Brandon Powell and Joe Roop and Owen Hunt, along with the uh, conspiracy master himself, Greg Carwood, coming up from sunny San Diego to, uh, I don't know if it'll be sunny in Chasta, but anyway, he's coming there. We're going to have him on Outlawed here coming up, but we're going to start pumping that pretty hard. So if you guys want to head over to that, contact at thecabin.com and get in on one of those events. This Magic and Manifestation one is a popular one. It's a big one, and it's going to be a blast. And we think you should come. Grab a ticket, make a deposit, contact at thecabin.com. And then, did you mention the Canyon one too? The Canyon one. Well, I mean, I'm trying to just sell the- One at a time. One at a time right now, but we do have that 420 bash coming up in Utah, Zion Canyon, Bryce Canyon, the stars. It is just amazing. So check all that out, contact at thecabin.com, which is, I mean, I bring it up because Egypt is kind of a spinoff of that, you know, that's how we ended up going. Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we got a big thanks to Ben from our Chartered X and the Brothers of the Serpent because they kind of pulled us into this one, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah. So how you been? How's the uh, How's the car? Is it fucked? Yeah. I can't yeah. leave the can't leave the. Well, no. I mean, it's stuck. I'm not. I mean, it's just snowy. It's it's just it's. Uh... I'm super frustrated with the whole car situation. So I, I don't even want to talk about it. Most reliable cars in the world. Until you get to 300,000. It just, just fucking right falls off. It's like, it's like, as soon as it rolls over, it's like, oh, this car's done. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I just put a whole bunch of money into it. It makes I you I just wonder. sunk like two grand into it to keep it running and it that. bails on me. It's more than that, I think. So I, I just don't want to even talk about it. It's, uh, it makes me think of those like printers that had a set amount of pages yeah, they could print. Exactly. Makes me think of that. Like, exactly. is that a coincidence? Really? It's 10 years old and 300,000 and then all of a sudden, boom. Oh, well, you, you hit them both at the it. same time. Oh, you overheated it and, you know, and yeah, both at the same time. And you overheated it and it probably messed up the engine and, uh, you need a new engine. Oh, thanks. Really? There's nothing else I can do. I need a new engine. You overheated it somehow after bringing it in here to have us fix your heat yeah. sensing system. Yeah, exactly. 
We brought it in three times. I mean, and I tried to do the right thing by bringing it to the dealership, which obviously not the right thing now. I mean, I'm, I will I'll never do that again. You need but I tried to, find to keep them maintaining it. Now. I tried to keep them maintaining it so that I, you know, here's the thing. Kind of nowadays, you need to find an old mechanic, forty plus. Yep, straight up. I don't think any of these fucking people know what's going on anymore. This is more of this Atlas shrug thing. I'm telling you. Here's the weird. Can I now that we're talking about it? Here's the weird part. It had never misfired on me at all. So I was like, what are you talking about misfiring? I've never had that happen. So I'm like, it still, to me, was running okay when I got it back from them when they said it needed a new engine, except the heater wasn't working and the temperature gauge was up and down. And I'm like, okay, well, is this part of the main problem or is this a separate thermometer thing or what do you call it? Not a thermometer, but thermostat. A thermostat. Oh, no, no, this is part of the bigger problem. I'm like, well, it still hasn't driven that bad and then one day i took it to your place and it did start misfiring so i was super disappointed so the engine light is flashing and it is misfiring and i'm like well that kind of ruins my sort of theory that maybe it's running better than i thought but then it flipped back to the engine lights not flashing and it's not misfiring how does it go from misfiring sometimes to running fine again not that the heater's working properly like it's not running completely fine but how does it flip back and forth isn't it either misfiring or not? Makes me think it's like a little computer let, chip. A, a what? Computer chip or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or a sensor or something weird How, like that. Is that does that make any logical sense at all that it can just flip back and forth on me? Maybe it does. I don't know enough about uh cars so just, and engines. Sometimes it misfires and sometimes it doesn't. Well, I don't the, think the so. way Here's the, the coils thing. are, the spark plugs or I something. I don't think that was the case twenty or thirty years ago. If you started misfiring, you just misfired and you replaced a spark plug or a cord and or a distributor cap and everything was hunky-dory. I remember doing all that stuff back in the day. But nowadays, I pop the hood on my truck and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on in there. I can't even see where the spark plugs go. And there's little computer chips everywhere telling things to do things. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. But I, I'm really having a hard time emotionally with it because I really was putting, <laughs> like, I was really planning on, I was planning I on having it. You're gung -ho. Driving it into the ground pretty much for a couple years, you know, going to 400000 or 500000 Didn't want to buy a new car. I didn't want new payments. Just keep it simple. And then I'm like, fuck. So I'm going to probably, once I get a little bit more money, I'll have somebody take another look at it. And maybe, maybe there is a simpler solution, but I'm right now I'm just, I'm okay for now. So second opinion, it's winter anyway, you know, it's a season of hibernation. Yeah. I was at exactly. snow machine already got stuck already. You did? Yeah. I got stuck in some deep snow. Those drifts are pretty deep. It was fun. You got stuck in some deep snow? Yeah, in my in um, your truck? On my snow machine. In your snow machine. My oh, in your snow machine. Oh, I don't I had know. the snowmobile out. There wasn't quite enough snow yet. There's a lot of sparking and, and stuff on the street, but uh, it's fucking fast, dude. That was the first time I had it out since I bought it. And I never even got it up to top speed yet, but it fucking flies. And now there's a bunch of snow. And it's an old ancient one too. It's 2000. It's a 2000, but oh, it's only got like oh, 1400 kilometers on it or something like that. And the wow. engine was just rebuilt before I bought it. It fucking cruises. I can't wait. When I get back, there should be a bunch of snow and we go proper fucking riding, but it's pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. I'm pretty happy with it. Awesome. Have, you, have you ever driven one? Uh, no, I was on one when I was a kid. Oh yeah. I've probably driven one over time, but I, 
as a kid, I remember snowmobiling as a kid, like a real youngster, like going on the back of them, like as a like small little kid, like probably five, six years old, seven years old, something like that. Ooh, I can't wait to get to you. Uh, It'll be fun. You did great on the dirt bike. <laughs> I wonder how the dirt bike would go in the snow. Needs new. Well, I did put a new back tire on it, so I feel like it's parked for the year. Shot a deer, though. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty big deer. It was a pretty big deer. You know, I swear the nine point I shot was bigger than it, but this is 11 points, so it's got more points than uh, wow, any of the deer I shot yet. I shot one of the elk I shot was 11 points and a deer. So I shot a 10-point deer and a nine-point deer. Wow. I'd like yeah, to get Yeah, like they looked pretty big, yeah. That was a good size, and it was like the weather was a disaster. Driving, we left here while well, you were babysitting. So we left here, drove down. It was like snowy roads and shitty the whole way down. Then down there was just nice and clear. I think we, I got to say, we shot that deer within two hours. Yeah, I couldn't believe how quick you're like, oh, yeah, I've got one. Yeah, well, we seen some does and left them be. And then just a few minutes later, seen him right off the side of the road. Shot him right like, I was probably 10 feet away from the truck. You're not allowed to do that, are you? What? As long as you're not on the road, it's fine. Really? Yeah, you just got to be. So if it's a dirt road, I just have to be off of it. Oh, Can't okay. shoot over a road. Can't right, shoot right. along a road. If it's a dirt road, you just have to be off it. I think like the main roads like the Trans-Canada, you're supposed to be 200 yards off of. But if it's a dirt road, you just have to be off that motherfucker. But that's handy. At least you didn't have to, climb, you know, walk a mile on the snow. Yeah, exactly. It was down a steep hill, but it wasn't too bad because I just used my trusty rope and wrapped it around a pole. And then just had and tied around his feet, and Shauna just drove the truck forward and just pulled right up the hill. Now he's in my nice. garage in pieces. Nice. Nice. I have all the bones broke down already. The skull broke down, and actually, that's why I was checking the weather because I have a deer head now that I need to do something with. Do something with. Well, not I know what I'm going to do with it, but I can't do it now. I can't do it until yeah. I get back from Egypt. So you just dump it in the snow? Well, I was. I was looking at, like, do I have to put it in my freezer? Right. But then I checked the weather. And fucking there's, like, unless something crazy happens, it's not going above, like, minus eight. No, and if you just cover it in snow, it'll be fine. Yeah, right? so I'm it just going to bury it in yeah. snow in my backyard, and it'll stay nice and frozen, and then I'll, I'll deal with there it when I come back. There you go. Nice. Yeah, it's great. And Shauna does all the bone broth up now, so I'm literally oh, using, like, nice. every part of that motherfucker. Right on. Good. I did leave it overnight without skinning it, and I won't do that again. Because that motherfucker froze almost solid. And it was a lot harder. Way oh, harder left, getting the skin you left off. It out in the, you left it out in the outside? I left it hanging in the garage. Oh, and it froze in there? Well, not all of it, but like the thin bits, like the legs, where they're thin, you know, where they're only like, you know, like your wrist. Yeah. That shit froze solid enough right. that it was really hard to get the skin off. You're almost like right. flaying it off. When it's yeah, warm, yeah. you can just pull. And right. Then... Speaking of Sorry. which, Sorry. December. Sorry the vegans out there. Vegans. vegans? I posted yeah. the picture of the pile of bones and the skull, yeah. and I put hashtag vegan, hashtag vegan recipes. Do you think oh, we have vegans good. listening? Yes, of course we do, dude. They're all over the place. I'm going to be one. I'm going to be one. You're maybe not going to be a vegan. 
You don't need to get weaker. Well, I'm I'm on the carnivore diet right now, pretty much. Are you adding fruit in? Nope. I feel like carnivore and fruit. I have a couple avocados and um, other than that, just been. You should find a high fiber fruit. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's what they say. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably do that next time. I'm just not a fruit guy, really. You're pretty fruity, I think. Yeah, but not when it comes to food. <laughs> it's too unreliable. Self-described no metrosexual. It's unreliable fruit. It's just some. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. It's sour, sweet. It's like super unreliable. Fruit is. Yes. Huh. GrabAmerica.ca/support, guys. If you can, when you can, it's never been more important to support the show. Um, you know, with the whole PayPal debacle and inflation and uh, recession, everybody's struggling, and we understand that. So what we're hoping is if you're not struggling and you can't afford a couple of dollars a month, head on over to grandamerica.ca slash support. Choose PayPal, Patreon, Stripe, Bitcoin, any of that shit, and sign up for monthly. It could be a buck a month. It could be 50 bucks a month. We don't care. We'd love you for it. Well, we'd, we'd like it more if it was 50, obviously, because it just helps more. But everything helps. GrimeAmerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly today. Make a one-time donation. Head over to GrimeAmericaOutlaw.ca. Check out our other podcasts. We've had some fantastic episodes coming out over there. And uh, we're going to get kicked off YouTube soon. If you're on YouTube and that's how you listen to the show, it looks like there's like 500 people that are still just listening to the show on YouTube. You might want to start exploring other options because we are on strike two. And they do seem to be at this point manually going through and listening to the show. And uh, that's not not going to be something. There's inevitably going to be a few things in there. So, like, for example, when I read this quote, it's probably not going to go over well to the YouTube crowd. The quote, are you reading it now? No, whenever you want me to. Do you have an OPPO? Uh, Well, I kind of do, yeah, but I'm. My oppo, my project project operation segment kind of has sort of transitioned sometimes into a, it's a tranny size. It's, oh, it's, it's uh, into there goes YouTube. Um, almost like a Substack or article. Like I, I'm I'm tracking. I'm compiling. Oh, all it's these turned into copyright infringement. What? No, I'm just read. I'm just. Uh, Gonna re- like sell the guy's Substack. I mean, it's amazing writing. I'm gonna sort of highlight a Substack, maybe like this one is sort of an operation inoculation of the mind. Ooh, okay, wait. Oh shit, I got the wrong cord plugged in. Rookie move. So I guess after today, I can break down the studio and pack it. I think so. Yeah. You're bringing your mic. Just bring your mic and a cord. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. See, this this kind of fits in. I mean, when you listen to that jingle, although it's not like an official government secret operation, but it is a great substack. So it's called. And I'll, I'll, there's a link in the show notes, of course, and it's Igor Chudov. And it's uh, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace the V word with J, the J word. What's the J word? Jab? Jab, I guess. So jab like inoculation of minds with weakened forms of misinformation. Do you understand what that's going to be about? 
the vaccine. Well, you just fucking said it. I'm trying to avoid saying the word. Well, it's more than that. It's, you know. Vaccines are great. That's awesome. It's it's about inoculating us. Well, not us, actually. The rest of the majority against um, misinformation. Against us. <laughs> Ever wonder why some of your friends refuse to even listen to fairly reasonable ideas or fact checkers mostly debunk absurd sounding propositions? Some of our allies appear out of nowhere and spout outright nonsense. Have you ever wondered why this is happening? Well, it's not a coincidence. It turns out that scientists, in addition to physical inoculations with jabs, also came up with the concept of inoculating human minds against what they call misinformation. You following along so far? Yes. Um, These intellectual inoculations work kind of like the physical jabs, introducing weakened and distorted forms of undesirable information to us, which makes people resistant to all forms of such. So according to this psych- these psychologists, the population needs to be intellectually inoculated against misinformation in order to convince unsure and hesitant people to accept jabs. Such inoculations will future-proof individuals against listening to doubters and will also make them accept physical jabs. So check this out. So there's a like there's an um, inoculating against COVID jab misinformation, right? So there's an article above that they're representing here, and it's talking about a field of well-funded, of course, psychological research aimed at people making comply with these mandates. So, so when applied to the masses of people, it makes them reject skepticism, which is described by these actors as misinformation. And the problem with these scientists, they encountered unsurprisingly that, sorry, the problem that scientists encountered, let me be specific, unsurprisingly was the debunking, interesting, engaging, and well-sourced information doesn't work. So a common method to combat this misinformation involves debunking false claims, though seemingly intuitive Research has found that this approach can exacerbate and rather than correct the negative effects of misinformation. So this is because, of course, corrections directly refuting misinformation can trigger the continued influence effect, whereby people continue to retrieve misinformation from memory, even when acknowledging the correction. So instead of exposing people to this relevant, comprehensive and truthful sources. And you know what? This reminds me of the UFO problem that we started with 10 years ago in Grimerica or nine and a half years ago. And part of the problem I had with the mainstream media reporting UFO stuff, because they would report on bunk stories, right? The only stuff they took serious in some ways was the bunk stories. I bet you they learned from this and the stuff that they laughed about and played the X-Files music to may have been an actual legit story. So they made fun of the legit stuff and they treated the bunk stuff seriously. Let me just continue on here. Um, where was I? Uh, so instead of exposing people to this relevant, comprehensive, and truthful sources, they came up with the idea of inoculating people with purposely weakened, distorted to sound absurd and stupid information. So the idea is that you can build this mental armor or mental defenses against something that's coming in the future and trying to manipulate you if you learn a little bit about it. 
a little bit, but not everything, said Beth Goldberg, head of research and development at Jigsaw, a division within Google that develops technology to counter online threats. So it's a little bit like getting physically inoculated against a disease. So this technique of presenting falsified and weakened information to turn people away from better sources of information is, of course, highly manipulative and unethical. Are you surprised that promoters of jabs are also developing unethical jabs for human minds? Let's look at this example. So now they show a typical fact check, um, and it captures the essence of this intellectual inoculation and is a prime example of fact checkers modus operandi. So they talk about peer-reviewed paper shows Fauci created jab, or sorry, created COVID, and it's a pants on fire. So that means it's a lie, right? A peer-reviewed paper did not find that Fauci created COVID. That's pants on fire. And then they highlight a couple things like criticized by many in the scientific community. The study did not mention Fauci, blah, blah, blah. So this fact check is intentionally created to spread confusion among uninformed fact check readers. It purportedly debunks Stu Peter's Instagram posts, but its actual goal is to confuse and prevent people from seriously considering the Wasburn Brutel study. So that was what, you know, it was saying that this study didn't say this. So that reprint study offering entirely new proof that SARS-CoV-2 was lab engineered is very important. And if you want to know more, Brian Mowry can covered it very nicely so let's just talk about about like how important that study is but politifact's goal here is to prevent you from learning about lab origins of sars so politifact pick a low-hanging fruit and is debunking Stu peter's take instead of a meaningful discussion of the article to cast confusion there you have it strike three so inoculation and vilification two sides of the same coin so with weakened information makes ideas seem stupid. Vilification mean makes people seem stupid. The the goals are quite similar. So in, in addition to confusing people with this artificially weakened information, pro-jab pro media tried to portray anti-jabbers as dumb and uninformed. The objective is the same, prevent people from listening to jab skeptic information by presenting intentionally weakened ideas by vilification of dissenters. So it goes on. I won't read it all, but I mean, I find this fascinating and I totally agree with it. I mean, this is this is what's happening when you dig. If you if you deconstruct or dig into any of this stuff, you get a completely different. uh, A different outcome. I bet you. That is strike three right there. Mm -mm. Oh, yeah. I'll bet you $50. You resisted these mass psychology (laughs) methods. The the best paid scientists of industrialized mass psychology devised these advanced methods to close our mind against undesirable thoughts. They succeeded with most people. Not most, but not all. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating article. I'll link to it there. And let's hope this isn't our last strike because I would like to get some like meditations and some other uh, small clips that I've made for um, advertising our Grimerica outlawed on YouTube before it goes away. But I would uh, I would get on that strike. Play. No, I'm not going to say that. Oh, man, that was close. <laughs> It's the profound quote of the week. 
I I don't know. I'm sorry. This might do it if that didn't. Oh, um, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Man, you're bitching at me about Twitter. This is a quote. This is a book from uh, Thomas Saz. It's going back now. 20. When was it? 20. Uh, two, yeah. 21 years ago, this book was published. And it's called Pharmocracy, Medicine and Politics in America. And this is a quote from the book. But it's pretty relevant. And it talks about religion and since we were talking about religion in this episode, I figured there's a thread there. So when religion reigned and church and government were united in a theological state, people perceived countless human problems as the products of divine or satanic intervention and sought to remedy them with appropriate religious interventions, such as prayer or and exorcism, right? When science reigns and medicine and the government are united in a therapeutic state, People perceive countless human problems as the products of diseases and seek to remedy them with medical interventions, such as drugs and therapy. I should note here, perhaps, that I coined the term therapeutic state in 1963 with deliberate irony as a critical and dishonorific sobriac to denote the political union of medicine and state. Physicians playing the same sorts of ambiguous double roles that priests played when church and state were united. The ambiguity, coercion, and paternalism intrinsic to such a role of the physician, sometimes helping the patient, sometimes harming him, is incompatible with individual dignity, liberty, responsibility, and the rule of law. I regard the therapeutic state as a type of totalitarian state. Persecutions in the name of health by doctors replacing persecutions in the name of God by priests. That's a quote. Well, what do you mean? Or is that just it's from a, the author of the it's book? A pa- it's, a, it's a passage. So I can't guess. Oh, well, yeah, sorry. I, here, I got one for you to guess. I was going to guess Glenn got- Beck. <laughs> yeah, that would be good but no because um because it's it's from the book it's from the book pharmocracy right by that guy um but i do have one specially i should give you um to guess here like it's a short quote i want i want you to guess this i want you to guess the year and the what the year and the guy who who wrote this what's a guy oh damn it's cool to use the computer, but don't let the computer use you. Y'all saw the Matrix. There's a war going on. The battlefield's in the mind, and the prize is the soul. So be careful. Be very careful. Hmm. When did the Matrix come out? Late 90s? Late 90s? Yeah. So... 98 or 99, I think. 98 or 99? Yeah. So it wasn't Bill Hicks. Let's go to Alex Jones. Close. No, more of a pop famous guy. Hmm, Joe Rogan? No. A, a mu- musician. <laughs> musician. Pop star. Pop star. Pop star, musician. Well, maybe not pop. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe pop. Well, Chris Cornell? No. Hmm. I give up. Prince. Prince? Yeah. That was in his controversial time before he died. What did he die of pills again, right? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. You can't remember? Well, I didn't guess it. I'll try and guess the year. 
Yeah. 99. Yep. Yeah. Semi victory. <laughs> I'll take it. Anything else? No, that's about it. All right, guys. We hope you appreciated our lazy ramblings, or at least they didn't annoy you too much. We do need that support. It is important. I know we always ramble on about that, but it is important around here. America.ca slash support if you can, when you can. Other than that, let's go to BioGuy Graham. Yeah, so Jessica Weaver, um, she had a blog called Not Your Father's Advisor, um, and she worked for her father in financial planning for many years, and then uh, she kind of went out on her own, and she created her own business for women. Um, she took on the color pink for her her um, marketing. Looks fantastic. She wrote a book called Strong Women, Stronger Assets, which ended up being a number one bestseller a few years later. Her second book was born, Time to Refine, A Strong Woman's Guide for Retiring on Her Own Terms, and it became a number one bestseller. This was when she was pregnant. So in 27, this is back in 2017, pregnant twice during the writing of these books. And uh, then she launched uh, Confessions of a Money Queen, which uh, also launched her like um, traditional uh, financial advising um, impact for, for women, basically millions of women so she's got a goal to sort of help millions of women um with courses and uh, her business to leverage their assets gain exposure and uh and forever change the financial industry for women there you have it yeah. here's hoping enjoy the chat with jessica weaver Jessica Weaver, thanks for spending some time with us. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing tonight? Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Pretty good. Pretty good. Getting all ready for winter here in, in Canada. So it should be interesting. Yes. It's getting cold here too. I'm down in the States in New Jersey. Ready for an icy winter. Yeah. So um, this this topic is a little bit out of our wheelhouse as far as like Ooh. regular topics go. But what really attracted me to like actually just going for this is uh, the way you talk about mindset and spiritual and philosophical aspects about money, you know. And I do think that this is a really important topic. So I'm looking forward to digging into it with you. Oh, I can't. I can talk about this for days. <laughs> you wouldn't have enough time for me to talk about this, but especially with so much uncertainty going on with the, coming off of the pandemic, high inflation, jobs, income, the markets, politically, this is where people need to hear this message more than ever. Yeah, I agree. 
So do you want to start with a bit of your background and how you how you kind of came into like, you know, your book is the Confessions of the Money Queen, right? The your latest one. So, um, yes. you know, why what what is sort of what is a money queen? Why you kind of use that? Maybe your journey into like how you wanted to help women and and people out with this this problem. Sure, I'd love to talk about that, Graham. I started out in the financial industry in 2010, but I, I like to say I grew up in it. I've been a wealth advisor since 2010, but my father has been a wealth advisor for over 40 years now. So I remember being on my family room carpet, stuffing envelope mailers for my dad when I was eight years old. And I often did work in the summer internships with him every year. So I kind of knew this was going to be my path going forward. I loved being able to kind of help and coach people. I just didn't know it was going to be in regards to money. So I started off right out of college, joined the industry, joined my father's firm at the same time as my brother. But right away, I was the only woman financial advisor in his firm. There were multiple other male advisors. So I kind of, it took me a while to figure out where do I fit in here and Women are about 18% of financial advisors. So it was very hard to find other women advisors who would mentor me, kind of take me under their wing. Also, only 10% of advisors make it their first year. It's a very cutthroat industry. It's an oversaturated industry. So again, trying to find out where I fit in, how I can really make change. And within a few years, I noticed that women weren't really engaged in the meetings they weren't showing up to the calls. There's some. There's a disconnect between how we're talking to the women and how the women were receiving the message. Is this is this your customers or your or your peers in the biz, in the business world? It was our clients. Yes, your clients. Our customers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. So I started just having events for women just to get them engaged, give them the education, so that they oh, feel yeah. it could be a part of the conversation. So, you know, having things like this, talking about money, and those really started to take off. I started my blog, Not Your Father's Advisor, which led to the writing of three books, all geared around women and money, each one a little different. The first one, Strong Woman, Stronger Assets. I decided to write the day after I found out I was pregnant. And I promised my husband I would get the book done before the baby came. And I did. (laughs) It became a bestseller. We got it published. And a month or two later, my daughter came into the world. Our second book, Time to Refine, is more around retirement for women. And my son, I found I was pregnant the day after that book launched. (laughs) So both kids were part of both books, which was neat. And then the third book that we're talking about tonight, Confessions of a Money Queen, that came, I wrote that book in a week. My other books took a few months, several months to a year. This book was a week I came home on a Friday. I said to my husband, I've written eight chapters. He said, I didn't even know you were writing a book. And two, we're not having a third baby with this book. (laughs) (laughs) We're done with kids. We're definitely done with kids. COVID taught us what we can handle, what we can't handle. So this book to me was a gift straight from God. It was a download from God. That's what I was it just going to ask you. I was just going to yes. ask if it, if it was, because we have, you know, quite a few of our guests have this experience. It's, it's a, it's an amazing experience when this happens. And I'm sure everybody who's listening, I'm sure both of you guys have had a moment where you just were so inspired to take an action 
And when you actually went through with that action, you reaped the benefits. And I have to tell you, writing this book, it was the busiest, it was the busiest time of my career ever. We just had our second child. It was COVID. We were switching our financial firm, our broker dealer at the time. And it felt like God was saying, you need to put all of that on pause and get this out. And this book has completely changed my world, how I work with people, how much I bring God into conversations about money, even with my clients. And now our we have a huge team of financial advisors at our firm now, all women. It forced me to start my own financial firm built for women by women. It's launched this huge PR campaign where we're doing different interviews. This week alone, I think I have three different PR interviews. So every week we're meeting with the media. We're getting huge speaking engagements on stages. It's just launched everything in my world. So it's kind of getting chills even thinking of reminiscing on it. That's not long ago, right? When did the book come out last year? The book came out last year. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my. My old financial firm, Broker Dealer, did not want me to publish this book. They set, they made me sit on it for 10 months until finally I said, if you're not going to let me do something with this, I'm leaving and starting my own firm. Wow. And that's what I did. That's wow, what I did. Good for you. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's too bad you didn't get their, you know, you didn't have their support after you already putting out a couple books. Like it could have been sort of a part of them, you know, but instead mm-hmm. it's probably better that it happened this way. I bet. Is that uh, looking back? I'm like, this is how God always intended yeah. it to happen. Yeah. That's how I feel. What were what were some of the things that you first realized when you said like women weren't getting involved and you started to do in- events with women and you started to kind of get, kind of help them out specifically a little bit. What were some of the things that you saw were trending with them being sort of not in- involved or interested or influenced or what what mm. was going on there? Do you think? That's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that, but it's a great point to bring even to our women advisors now. A lot of it was, how does money relate to me? I hear these financial terms, annuities, stocks, mutual funds, all this stuff. It sounds great, but how does it relate to me? And that's when I just started becoming a storyteller with my clients through my books bringing to life these different stories, a woman going through a horrible divorce where her husband basically lost everything. And now she's going through a divorce and there's nothing to even walk away with. So how is she going to get back on her feet? Not just for herself, but for her children. That would spark some inspiration or motivation, wanting a better life for them, for themselves, for their kids, the next generation as well. And so I would say is relating to them, the stories and what are their actual fears and concerns that are going through their minds. And a lot of women have a huge fear of losing their financial independence, especially single women. They feel it's all on them to make these huge financial decisions. And if they pick wrong, there's no one there to bail them out. So they really needed that advocate, that partner that, I mean, we're more than happy to become (laughs) for the women to educate, inform them, guide them along the way and give them back this kind of power and authority to make these decisions. When you say that, were you, are you talking mainly uh, single women or married women that even are still in that position or both? Yes, good point. 
both. So even in a a marriage, these women wanted to become active participants in the financial conversation at home. They wanted to bring something to the table. They didn't want to rely on their husbands and made them feel like they didn't have power or control. They didn't have kind of skin in the game either. Or they wanted to know what's going on with the money because gosh, if it's something bad was happening, they wanted to get in front of the train, stop it before it was going to ruin them, the entire family financially. Or women trapped in a bad marriage. We see that a lot too. And there's a lot of financial abuse or just avoidance, not knowing what's happening with the money. There's some women, guys, the tax returns haven't been filed for five years. And they didn't know about it. And now they're going to go through a divorce and get handed a huge mess. So how can they get engaged and really understand what's happening with the finances within their marriage? Yeah, that's a good point. So what it seems like you've been a hard worker always. I mean, you mentioned when you're younger, you uh, were working for your dad. He sounds like a hard worker. Was Is hard work like a main component of, of this too, that... And kind of have to take action and just get get shit done as well. <laughs> yes, I looking back in childhood, and you guys could probably think too. What was the mantra or what was the saying you heard from your parents a lot? You know, we hear money doesn't grow on trees, or no, we don't have money for that, or we don't have enough time for that. Was there something that you heard a lot in your childhood? Yeah, I mean, sort of listening to you on a couple of shows, it made me think back to my childhood where, like, we I grew up in the 80s, so it was pretty, mm-hmm. like, we weren't poor, really, but it was tough, like, just with the interest rates and the property values, we moved out west, and it was, like, really a, str- a bit of a struggle for a while. So I, I do remember my mom and dad fighting a little bit over money, Um but I also do remember them like if a job's not if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well, like that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. But it did make me think back to like that's probably why I have a weird relationship with money or fear or fear. Maybe we can get into that later, but um that's oh, not yeah. really answering your question directly. But do you what about you, Darren? Do you have anything like that? Anything that's what do you mean? Like uh, any like any phrases, sayings from childhood that you remember, like money doesn't grow on trees or anything that would have sort of shaped your relationship to it? Oh, yeah. We were, we were poor. So, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <A bunch>. <laughs> <laughs> the poverty mindset we hear a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> I think and that's usually where John into my world are. And this was my mantra or what my parents really instilled in me is you have to work hard. And it wasn't just you have to work hard for money. You have to work hard for your grades. You have to work hard. I was a big basketball player, played in college. That's where I met my husband. He played in college. And the whole, I was in the gym with the lights off shooting and people would make fun of me. I'm like, this is what you have to do. I wasn't huge. I was fast, but I wasn't tall. I wasn't incredibly strong. I needed to put in the work after hours when nobody else is in the gym to earn that starting position to hit I had a thousand points in high school and college. And this is what you have to do. You have to put in the time when nobody else is. And I was even having this conversation with my daughter the other night. She's just started soccer and I'm like, and she was nervous because she's not the best on the field. So I'm not the best advisor. I'm not the best writer, but I will out hustle anybody in my industry. And that's, by the biggest lesson I learned growing up from my parents. 
And that's a good lesson, right? I feel like that. I feel like that's missing these days with people sort mm-hmm. of quiet quitting, kind of like just, yes. I don't know, just not really yes. taking responsibility and putting the work in. Like, it, yes, the accountability is yeah. huge, and it's something. Even I have a young team that we've been building, and something we've been instilling in them as well is, you know, this is how we succeed. There's so many advisors out there. We need to stand out, but we need that service. We need that top care that every client feels like we are just working with them. That's the experience we want. Do you find that's easier to, do you find it easier to excel? Service, especially times like this, clients want to know that you are there picking up the phone when they need to talk to you, that you, you make them a priority. It's like a relationship, any relationship. They want to know that they're being heard, that they're being understood. Most of my clients, they just need to vent it out. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy giving them that space to vent it out, air it out. And each time, even if we don't have all the answers on the call, like, you just made me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> just me. You calmed me down. You took me off the ledge. I feel much better. Now I, and this is a huge piece. Now I can make a better decision instead of one out of fear, stress, anger. I think what Darren was saying, because I think I know where he's going with this too, is that nowadays with the amount of like, because you and your company have a really good work ethic, is it easier because you're competing against people that just don't like, there's so many people out there now that just don't have a good work ethic or or, or your industry seems to be competitive though. Uh, To me, I would think that. That's where everybody's gone to work. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this. I've brought on quite a few women clients recently, and a lot of their them said their their advisors said it's still COVID, and here we are, two plus years later. I'll let you know when I'm back in the office to have a meeting with you. And I said they couldn't pick up the phone and just have a call with you or a Zoom with you. They couldn't just give you 30 minutes, an hour to sit and talk. You don't need to meet in person to do this. So I think. Yeah, as you both said, people have gotten very complacent in their service. And this is when clients need us more than ever, I would say. So, yes, we've been upping it. And I think a lot of advisors have been actually lowering their service and touch points with clients. Seems to be that way across all sectors. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's it's really the good companies are going to get stronger and the weak companies are going to yeah. find a different way out. <laughs> What's that old saying? Uh, whatever to, to those who have it, more will be given. Yes. I think mm-hmm. it's from the Bible. Yes. I don't know the yeah. rest of it, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's late at night. <laughs> Speaking of the Bible, right Bible but. I mean, does that like does the 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 spiritual the God aspect at all? Do you have to? Is that a delicate balance nowadays with sort of even with money? Like it doesn't seem to initially fit with money, you know. Um, how do you how do you kind of juggle that? Like being sort of a God fearing person and also being a financial advisor and helping women build their empires. I mean, yes, there's. A lot, money is talked about a lot in the Bible, but everybody's kind of put their spin on it. So you really need to get to the root of it. But God really does want us to have a very abundant life. 
He does. But society has put so many different beliefs in us that money is scarce, even my industry, right? There's so much fear around money, greed. You, th- you see somebody who's wealthy, like, oh, they must be greedy. They must be doing something wrong. And our regulators put this fear on our firms. The firms put the fear on our advisors. And then we're just projecting it out, <laughs> out to our clients. Right? You need to work with us or you're going to lose all your money. That's a common thing that you hear about. So I really wanted to showcase in Confessions of a Money Queen, money in a new light, an abundant light that we really were made to have all the money in the world, but we get in our own ways. We fall back to previous patterns of behavior that aren't serving us anymore, but it's all we know. It's what's familiar. You see it with celebrities, professional athletes, people who win the lottery, they get this influx of money coming in. And they almost don't even trust it and they blow it. It's, yeah. it's this huge level, new level, <laughs> new level of wealth that they've never been to before. And their body's going to revert to old systems and they're going to find themselves broke. So talking about money, we did start introducing the topic slowly. So it wasn't this huge shock to our clients. You know, I've been on this path finding and creating this strong relationship with God myself for the last several years. So I've been talking about it more and more on social media with my blog, not your father's advisor. And I'm shocked how many of my clients read that blog every week. And then when we jump on the call, they go, you don't know how much that your blog calms me down Wow! during these times. And no matter how much money these women have or men, families have millions of there's still this underlying fear and security that it's not enough. But when we shift the focus from the money to God, so we're shifting from the lack to more abundance energy, they start to feel so much better. And when they're in that space, they can make better decisions for their life. So speaking about abundance and scarcity, how how do we... Like you mentioned, you know, famous people say how they end up getting an influx of money and then they end up just living. They increase their lifestyle. They live within, you know, they, they increase their, um, they start living still, or maybe not even within their means, but it almost seems like that is an abundant, it's an abundance way of living in a way. So how do we delicately balance that? Like being frugal enough to be smart enough with the money that you have and not falling into that trap of like, every time I get a raise or every time I get more money, I just sort of buy things that I may not need. Um, and, and in some ways that's an abundance. Like to me, that feels like it's coming from a state of abundance, but it's probably not smart. Like I've fallen into that trap myself. Now I still have debt that I need to clean up, which I'll, I want to ask you about later, but how do we st- how do we be um, good with money and still not fall into that scarcity mindset? Do you, do you know what I'm getting at? Yes, I do. Because people will say, oh, it manif- I'm going to manifest all this money so I can buy all these things. And it's not actually going to happen that way. <laughs> we really need to fall into alignment with what is my purpose on this world and how is this money going to be a vessel for me to accomplish this? And that purpose could be to have a McMansion, but most likely it is to change your community or to um, find the, a cure for cancer. For me, my I know my mission is to change 
the financial industry for women advisors, clients, investors. So how's this money going to be a vessel for me to make this change in my life, the lives around me as well? I think what you're getting at is really, what are your goals? What are your goals? And it's going to fall into what the purposes. What are your priorities? And this is kind of where we, and we talk about this in Confessions of a Money Queen. We have the spiritual, I call the money moves that we're doing to open you up to receiving more money, overcoming these money blocks, healing any money baggage you have from your past with the practical side of things with opening up these accounts to start setting money aside, investing that money and growing that wealth as well. So when it comes to you, it's, you know, what are my goals? What are my priorities? Is it just to spend the money as it comes in? That probably will get old after a while. At some point, you're going to want to shift from buying stuff to you want to buy time. You want to have your time back. You want to give back. Things like that. And that's usually right where women come to me. They're, they're done buying stuff. They have enough stuff. Their closets are filled. Maybe there's some pipeline dreams, but really they want their time back to retire. Their time to get out of a bad relationship. Their time to get out of a bad job and do something else. Does that answer your question? Uh, yep. Yeah, kind of. Um, I, I guess, uh, I was going to sort of build on that question with something else here, I guess, cause you mentioned that money is an amplifier, I think. Right. So if you have a good purpose or if you have good intention, I think that does solve that answer. It does solve the question really, because I'm in a different state right now than I was 10 or 15 years ago okay. when I was, when I was blowing all my money on, on other shit. Um, literally drugs and alcohol and travel and partying. Like it was, you know, like, like, uh, like there was no tomorrow, but now I, I feel like if I had extra money, which I do want to help people, it's really for health and wellness. And I have totally different goals, right? I, I don't, you know, I want to be like, you also mentioned comfort instead of just having enough. Like we have to be in that mindset to have, you know, enough for comfort, not just enough. Like you don't want to uh, short yourself, right. With always just having enough. So I'm kind of rambling, but I think what, um, what I'm getting at is if I have a good intention and I, if I have a good purpose, then that, that will amplify money will amplify that. Right. And when you fall into that purpose, that alignment, Oh my money is just going to come flying at you. It is amazing. Like you said, God's not going to give you this influx of money when you're just going to waste it. He's going to give it to you when you are ready to step into that purpose and use it to build something amazing. Does it have we, to be for, what were you, what, what were you, does it have to be for everybody else or can I do whatever I want with it? A lot. It says, I feel like a loaded question. (laughs) There are so many people. I I listen to even Abraham Hicks. And she's like, what is it that's going to make you feel good? Let's start there. Is it sitting at a desk working for somebody else that you hate? Probably not. So getting this influx of money allows you to do something that you love. And then you showing up differently, it's going to change the lives of the people around you. So no matter what, there is going to be a ripple effect. So even if selfishly you're using this money to make yourself feel good, people around you are going to be, want to be around you. More people are going to gravitate to you 
because you're showing up with a different energy. You're happier. You're more positive as well. So there is no matter what, there's going to be a ripple effect of it helping people all around you. Perfect. No, that's Did I nail it? That is, that's a good answer. I mean, I really feel like we need to get past this money being evil and it is necessary yes. to follow yes. our purpose. And it, it is a currency that wants to be used kind of thing. It's a, it's kind of a fluid thing, right? So we, I, I, I'm not speaking for other people, but I need to get over my, my fear of it. And I, which I don't even really know how to identify. I mean, can I, I can I, how do I identify what is holding me back? Oh, so when you we're hear, gonna have some tough questions here, but I know I feel like we're gonna get to the root cause of your <laughs> right now. We're gonna dive in for it. Okay, so and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like when you look at a wealthy person, is there a lot of greed around it? Is it that they're doing something wrong? I mean, for me personally, I look at a really wealthy person who has a huge money empire corporation. Like that's a lot of responsibilities. Does that mean I have to sabotage my time at home to always be flying here, there, meetings, ah. conferences? So that was my big aha moment last year that I had to overcome. Too. So when you look at that money, what's coming up for you? That's a great, that's a great, um, a great point. Probably more of what you said than the initial thing is, is this similar mm-hmm. to what you said. Maybe it's an avoidance of accountability or responsibility or, or being too busy. Like, um, yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, have that, to sacrifice that, my time and yes, my livelihood, yeah, my to health manage it or something. Yes. And when you look at that, that's a very scarcity minded approach to money, not necessarily the money side, but I don't have enough time to earn this amount of money. I don't have, I'm going to have to sacrifice too much. But what if you don't have to do that? There are so many ways to have money come into your life. There's so many ways to build passive income, to build your own money printing machine. But when we have that focus, it's too much responsibility. We have blinders up and we're ignoring all these different opportunities. God's like, I'm giving you stuff. I'm sending you a boat with money, (laughs) but you're telling me it's too much responsibility. So the boat's going to somebody else. So now we can open up, take off the blinders and look around. There's a lot of different inspiration. And this is where I talk about the money meditations in my book, Confessions of a Money Queen. The meditations are when your subconscious is going to start talking to you. And our subconscious is really God or your intuition. And letting you know, these are the different paths you want to follow. Or maybe these are the doors that are about to close on you so that you open the right door. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I love how you build in meditation and that because I do I do feel like that's important <clears throat> to be able to yes. watch where your thoughts are going and what's coming up. Like you mentioned, you know, the inspiration for your book. I mean, if you're too trapped in in your mind with all these thoughts, you're not even going to have a room for that stuff to come through. Yes. Again, we're too cluttered in our minds and there's I love the science behind the meditation as well because you're shifting from a state of stress because usually money stresses us out, makes us overwhelmed, anxious, worried, fearful, all those things. Then when you do a money meditation, you're shifting from fear to rest, a healing state where your blood can start flowing back to your brain. Nutrients are coming back to your brain. Your brain allows your body to heal itself. 
and like you said, get those thoughts flowing again. So I tend to do meditations at all of our events, <laughs> sacred engagements. I do it with our advisors every week so that we can act out of a state of rest instead of a state of fear, which is that fight or flight mentality victim. We're not looking at all of our options. We're not thinking clearly and those kind of things. So it's been very helpful for all of our, all of us at the Women's Wealth Boutique. Do you have any tips for getting out of debt? Oh, getting out of debt. (laughs) Or should we get out of debt? I mean, have you heard of Kiyosaki's work and all that? Like rich man, poor dad or whatever, rich dad, poor dad or whatever. There's a lot. You look at Dave Ramsey, all debt is bad, right? Susie Orman, all debt is bad. And yet a lot of them don't actually do what they preach because they've earned money other ways. (laughs) Right? They're not showing how to become the next Dave Ramsey to build millions of dollars. (laughs) They're showing you how to basically stay status quo. So the biggest thing when you are in debt is one yes. You want to prioritize what is the debt that we should be paying off that's costing us 25% interest rates versus 2.5% interest rates. Or as interest rates keep going up, they're going up in the United States, they're going up a lot of places. Anything that's tied to a variable rate right now, you want to earmark to prioritize and get it paid off. But the number one reason people stay in debt is because they don't also save money while they're paying off debt. So encourage you from day one, set aside, even if it's $25, start with $25, $50. I don't care what it is. Start with 1% of your income, set it aside into an account that you cannot get access to or make it very hard. Have a strong boundary in between you and that money. Are you taking notes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's why when I'm looking across here, I'm just taking notes as we go. Yeah. <laughs> set it aside into an account. As you're also paying off the debt, because here's what happens. Everybody, they want to get rid of the debt. So they're throwing all of their savings into debt. But then when the next emergency comes up and they have no money to take care of the emergency. So what do they do? They open up another credit card. They open up another. Yeah, or you account. go back into your credit line. I mean, I mean, they, exactly. they just want to keep increasing it too. Like they'll just keep you going yes. forever. I mean, they so love that, it when you're and, in that spot. You're right. And then the other problem is, is that you don't want to pay off it. You, so you just keep your savings, not in a separate place, but fluid with, with sort of life and, and everything seems doable. Like you can, you know, you can function with a certain amount of debt and you just kind of stay in that rut or that's from my point of view anyways. Yes. Yes. And in the book, Confessions of a Money Queen, I talk about my stable money saver. And it's my money system. We get you saving from day one. And we're usually working with three to four buckets of money. So one could be an emergency account. One might be paying off debt account. One could be retirement account, investment account, house account, those kind of things. And we start prioritizing. You get what are your financial goals, life goals? aligning them with the right type of account and then the right investment vehicle to get the money growing for you. And it's a plan that just keeps growing. So as you pay off the debt, now we shuffle that money into a new account to get a building from you. So it just keeps growing and maturing as you go through the different stages of wealth as well. As your monthly interest payments come down, you can shift that money into savings. Yes. And yeah. Exactly. Because you said it before. Usually what happens, you get a raise, you spend that extra money. 
you get a bonus, you spend that extra money. So this system automatically shuffles that money out of your account. You can enjoy some of it, but we're still going to also optimize that money, save it so you can really, really enjoy it <laughs> later on. You can enjoy that beach house. You can enjoy paying off your mortgage. You can do those, those fun things. And that's all automated? Yes, we try to automate it as much as possible. And then on top of it, we do different accountability check-ins. So we'll see, well, can we increase it from one to 2%, two to 3%? So it's not just starting the behavior of setting money aside, right? It's a new behavior we're learning, takes 63 days to learn, but then we're going to continuously increase it. So ideally we're going to get your income going up, your expenses going down, and we're going to shuffle that extra money into these different accounts. I think that's a great idea. It's it's in a way it's um it's hard for me to visualize because you like to see that one account that's building up, you know, even though it's not really building up, but you know, because if you split that up into four, then it seems like you've got less, you know. That's true, Graham. So what we do on top of it is we track. So then you can see all in one spot. You track your totals. Eh? Make the sure you track total that amount. total all the time. And mm-hmm. when you're looking at that specific thing, don't look at the small things. Look at the big total. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it also kind of tricks your mind, too. I, I'm a spender. I like to spend my money. I like to. Is that why you're a money therapy? queen? <laughs> I don't know if you answered why you're a money queen yet. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I'll answer that right after. I feel like I'm a squirrel hoarding nuts for winter. So I like to have a lot of boundaries between me and my money. So I have money all over the place. And then, oh, look, we have this amount of money for this emergency. I'd even think about it because kind of out of sight, out of mind, it's there. It can keep growing for me as well. So Money Queen came up because one being a daughter of God, being a queen for it. And we wanted to tie in money because, again, money is one of the biggest topics in the Bible. And we wanted to showcase money in a very abundant light through the Bible. There's Bible verses all throughout Confessions of a Money Queen as well. So kind of playing on that, being a a queen in God's eyes, that he wants us to have money. He wants us to feel blessed abundant to know that he's got our back he wants this for us he's he's guiding us on a path for us and i even witnessed it last year as my relationship with the broker dealer i was at was crumbling programs were falling apart you know everything as my one coach said god's unraveling things that are no longer serving you just so that you can build something amazing and that's exactly what was happening which Landed us in this position where we've created a the Women's Wealth Boutique, which is an all-woman financial firm. We brought on five advisors within the first few months. We have five more to go the rest of this year. So to me, the queen is just this reminder that God wants this for me. He's asking me. He's nudging me along to actually do it as well. I feel like this could still be applied to non-denominational people as well, right? Oh, yes. Really, like it, that you mean like non-binary? Like, no, 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 no. Non-secular, non non-secular, non, not non-secular, non-denominational. Like people that believe in all different sort of gods or the source or the universe. Like, you know, you could just replace God with the universe there and it should, it should almost be fine, you know? Thank you for bringing that up. 
we do talk about that in the beginning of the book. God is whoever you you pray to, you talk to, you meditate with, right? The universe, the divine, you hear different terms for it. Um, we are, it seems, this huge new wave, especially on social media. People are talking about their spirituality more and more. They're talking about the laws of the universe, laws of attraction, meditation. All of these things are starting to come together with it. So it's almost like people are coming out of their closet with their religion or their spirituality. But yes, that's a good point. Thank you. What about, uh, like, let's get into the women aspect a little bit about why it's important for women to create their empire and, and how you how you incorporate the color pink and how that kind of came into it. <laughs> you know, earlier today, a FedEx guy came into my office to deliver. It was a life insurance policy for one of our clients. And he's looking around my office because I have a pink wardrobe. My one, my conference room has these huge flower wallpaper around it. There's a big poster of Confessions of a Money. He's like, is this you? <laughs> He's looking around. And I couldn't, I'm in the middle of a Zoom call with an advisor. I couldn't get him to leave. I'm like, yeah. He's just looking around in awe. I had a woman the other day walk in my office. She was looking for um, the doctor's office. She's like, what is this place? <laughs> She's like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's my office. What do you think? It's kind of like my playroom. Um, but most advisors, their colors are navy blue, a dark green, it's very masculine energy. So I knew I wanted a very vibrant, bright, feminine color. You know, red is a very bold color, um, but it can also be a little too alpha masculine for it. And I thought, why not pink? You don't see it a lot. I, it was on the, my, I had hot pink pants on for my first book cover, Strong Woman, Stronger Assets. And somebody said to me, you should just wear pink everywhere. And that it clicked and I hold pink wardrobe, pink shoes, pink lipstick. Everything we send out is pink. And we send out these pink envelopes with our books in it. And I see that envelope and I know it's Jessica Weaver's right away. So we just started to become associated with it. And people can tell right away when it's our social media posts, if I'm speaking, when I'm out. I had people run me down in the grocery store. Are you the woman with the pink in the book? So, yeah, it's, I wanted that fun, bright, energizing color. I like it. I think it's important. (laughs) And I think it's very feminine, you know, very feminine too, very female. Like it'll, it'll be your, you know, if you're empowering women to create their empire, what a, what a better, there's no better color. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was actually just at a conference and a bunch of the men in honor of me. They're like, we wore pink today for you. I used to have a couple of pink items. Used I to brought them out lately. Well, I used still got to. them. I just uh, I just haven't worn them. The other day I pulled it out. I'm like, wow, that is bright. I don't think I could wear that these days. Oh, of course you can. <laughs> just not high enough. Um, I'm sorry. What's that, Darren? I said just not high enough. No, come on. <laughs> so how do you how do they how do you like how do women uh creating their empire balance families and and because it, it does seem like you're very family orientated as well pregnancy yes. and all that kind of stuff i mean how does that play into it because there seems to be a real kind of i don't know a little bit of a a little bit of movement sort of back to family focus now maybe we've gone away from it a bit and people are sort of moving back in that way i think it's good timing for you as well to to, to catch the women coming back way. to family. What's that? Who's moving back? 
moving like it's it's kind of gotten women sort of um I think they're kind of there was pressure to be single and to do it on your own and you don't need a family and you can oh yeah I be think that that's I think that's mounting not I don't think that's let up I think yeah I think mounting. it's going back to the I think it's moving back towards like family focus but you can have both right Jessica I guess is I strive to have both every day and I'm not saying that it's a perfect balance every day I think it's more a pendulum where like tonight I'm doing tomorrow night tonight I'm doing different PR interviews. So the pendulum swings from work. And then one week I might be at home more with the kids, but as long as I'm still swinging and I'm still making an effort for both, it is very important to me. I grew up with my mom was a stay at home mom. And she always told me that her mom, so my grandmother had two TV shows in the DC area. She had, it was a children's TV show with her standard poodle. And then she had a woman talk show. And this was in the sixties and seventies, but this was very rare. But my mom always said to me, her mom picked her career and my mom picked family. So it took me a few years to realize that was a huge limiting belief in my mind that I couldn't have both. I really did have to pick. And I burnt myself out after our first daughter. I was working three evenings a week on Saturdays because as an advisor, that's just what the norm is. You meet your clients after work on the weekends, whenever they can see you and you don't say no to anybody. <laughs> you don't set boundaries. And I ended up having postpartum depression and anxiety pretty bad several months after, almost a year after. It took me months to actually address it and get help for it. And then when I was pregnant with my son, it came back. So I knew that I couldn't be a good mom and a good advisor if I didn't take time for myself. And I think this is probably the biggest move. It is actually more of that time alone so that I can be mentally fit to take care of my kids and have the energy to be at work as well. So I take an hour every morning to meditate, sit with God, do my journal work, read the Bible, whatever I need to do to get going on the on the day and to kind of start the day on my terms as well. But it's true. A lot of there's a lot of dual income families. Both parents are working these days because one inflation <laughs> we have to. Kids are expensive. Where we live is expensive. I'm so grateful to have a very supportive husband and my mom and my mother in law are always here helping with the kids. If we both are at work or I've been traveling more and more for work as well so right after this i'll pop into my kids rooms and give them a kiss good night but they also respect and i want them to learn that mommy has a job in order to stay in this house do what we want to do and go on these trips but that i also love what i do so much that i am excited to jump on these calls as well and i think that's what i want them to learn more than anything yes there's the hustle and there's the working hard but it's so much more fun when you love what you do and that's what i want for them yeah, well said. Um, what about um, what was I going to ask? I, I just lost my my thought there. How old are your kids? Remember. I have a five and a two and a half year old, almost three. And so, you're not going to have I, any more? No more. <laughs> we are done. We have um, my husband's a police officer. He does shift work, so it's a it's a very challenging landscape. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. How did you get through that depression? I had a very good support system 
professionally, which was huge for me to be able to have these conversations with other women who had been in my place, got through it, are successful to pull me out. I had a therapist, my husband. And then the biggest thing I learned from therapy was I needed to hire more help. (laughs) I was doing too many things. Even looking from my first pregnancy, both kids, I only took six weeks off from work and I was still working part-time during those six weeks. My first maternity leave, I didn't have anybody helping me. I was kind of a one-woman show. Fast forward to the next one and I had three or four different employees at that time helping in service. So when I start to feel myself get stressed or I'm overextending, I need to look at who do I need to hire? (laughs) Who do I need to hire so that I can take the time to be mentally fit so that I can best show up? Nice. Darren, do you have any questions? Is that app only available in the USA? Is that... That 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 or that system of saving money. Like, can I sign up for that, or do I have to be a girl? Can I just identify as a woman? <laughs> no, <laughs> we do work with men and women, so you guys are good. Yes. So, yeah, if anybody is interested in learning that system, you could go to womenswealthfatigue.com, and there's a contact page. We can hook you up with an advisor to get you going on that system. As Internationally, well, yeah. or from? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. So Canadian, yes. okay, then, yeah. We can just, it'll be not the same exact kind of account, but a similar type of account, but we can show you how to do it. Yes, no problem. Is there a bonus of not having any debt so I could just save? Yes, just sock away the money. I love it. Um, Is there anything, I mean, is that, like, if you don't have debt, is is that a good strategy? Like, sock it away or invest it? Like, how much do you you know, do you consider what are some money moves when you've got some money and you plan on saving? Ooh. Is there anything else that you didn't really yes. cover in that initial, like making a bunch of accounts and all that kind of stuff? Like how much do you invest com- compared to just keeping mm-hmm. savings, that kind of stuff? Exactly. So then from once your savings gets to a certain point, you're going to want to start moving and shifting money into different kinds of investments. And it can still be liquid, right? Yes. Accessible liquid, no penalties, surrender charges if you need the money. Or if it's retirement, that's what we'll identify too. When are you going to need this money? Is it within the next few years? Is it for retirement, kids' college? all those different timeframes. And then we can align it with the right kind of account. And then within the account, that's where the investments come in. So you can put in different kinds of stocks, bonds, all, all sorts, or maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's a rental property as well. But we caught talk about in the book, Confessions of a Money Queen, the multitasker money system. So we're looking at how many purposes can this investment achieve for your money? So instead of just one purpose, like grow your money, maybe we can have grow your money. It's tax efficient. You pay less in taxes. It's going to give you current income as well. So there's three purposes instead of just the one. Now we know your money's being efficient. It's optimizing all the opportunities out there for it. So that's what we would walk people through. And it's different for everyone because everyone's time frame, everyone's priorities are going to be different. And that's why you do need that custom touch when it comes to that building out that portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. 
Is there anything that major that we've uh, haven't talked about from your book or any messages that you want to discuss before we let you go? Ooh, good question. I know. I feel like we, we really dove into a lot. I, when I look at money, I look at it as it's this energy. It's this energy and energy does not like to be stagnant. It doesn't want to just sit there in the account. It needs to be doing something. It needs a purpose. So that's what we're talking about. Opening up these accounts, getting that energy flowing in your life and then investing it. So it keeps growing, becomes its own money printing machine so that you don't always have to work and trade your life energy for money. Now your money's doing it for itself and is a salary. But money also doesn't let energy doesn't like to be you can't hold on to energy. People try to hoard their money, terrified. We need money flowing freely in and out of our lives. And that's what we really teach our clients, uh, the people in our community is money's going to be moving in and out of your life. Maybe it's to give back and then you're going to get blessed even more so tomorrow. Teaching people to not be so terrified of money. It's huge. We want them engaged. We want them having fun with money. Money's a game. <laughs> Let's play the game better. And then how do, what are some tips for getting over your uh, childhood or past kind of fears, even subconscious stuff, limitations about money? Ooh, even in our book, we have money meditations that can help oh, yeah, right, with right. these those blocks. We have a whole course that goes along with the book lift that really dive into the inner workings. Like you said, the subconscious. So things like meditation really helps. Mantras, we call them money mantras, repetition can fix, create new brain pathways instead of reverting back to the old ones that it had before. A mentor, coach, advisor, so somebody that you look up to or respect, having that authority can help create new, again, brain waves, new beliefs within yourself. And then I'll throw in their gratitude as well. Shifting. No matter where your your headspace is at, you think of something you're grateful for, you're going to shift from scarcity to abundance. Probably the quickest out of all of them. I was just telling somebody that yesterday or today that I was like, you got to shift into gratitude. You can't be resentful and upset and grat- grateful at the same time. Like, you're, Ooh, you know, if you start doing these gratitude things, it'll automatic, and it does, it automatically just shifts your perspective. Yes, that is a great point. And there's science backing it. Yeah, depression exactly. is less. There's all different facts behind it. Obesity is less. All those things. It's amazing. Amazing. Right on. Darren, any final questions? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, this has been great. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, thanks, really guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's good to talk about it. I, I, I love what you're doing, and I, I think it's great that you've had a chance to follow this path and create this empire and yeah thank you guys so much for having me been great host you're welcome so we've got uh, your jessicaweaver.com right that's your website yes jessicaweaver.com perfect and you've got your books and your blogs and your courses and your press all that on there yes all of the three books you can get there any of our courses like the lift course money meditations are on there my blog we post weekly too so yeah get involved in our community we love to help all of you all the listeners if something hit a nerve or a trigger that's causing you follow that feeling if something keeps coming up in your heart follow that feeling we're here to help awesome thanks so much
Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jessica. Have a good night. Thank you. You as well. Bye. And that was a child. Jessica, what do you think, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's inspiring. Yeah. What did you think? It was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I guess it was pretty good. I'm not a chick that's, uh, you know, looking to start an empire, but I am a dude. <laughs> I love I your question. It, about, can I just come in and if I identify as a woman? <laughs> I'm Darren L. <laughs> I think it's Doreen. Darren L. from Grimera Cat. <laughs> I think it's Doreen, isn't it? What? Isn't it Doreen? Wait, I don't know what you mean. The Doreen. feminized Darren? Darren is Doreen. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe. Darren I'm just making up words. I'm trying to be funny. You're not, you're not getting it. Well, it's just Doreen would have been funny. I mean, that just wasn't funny. I mean, you're just... <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I wonder what the one for Graham is. What did they call there, you? There isn't one, yeah. Gramella? <laughs> <laughs> I Anyways, what... I mean, I don't know. Like she said, she does. they do accept guys, so that's good. I mean, you know, and uh, that it is interesting. I mean, I do like that. I like the strategy. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to read the book. I listened to her on a couple shows. Um. Actually, the one show I heard was pretty frustrating because he just kept talking and didn't let her do much talking. But, but yeah, I like I like how um, I don't know I like how it combines the manifestation it? aspect. And what hmm? show was it? I can't remember. I won't say. Anyways, why not? You're just gonna bring it up and like skirt around it, and then you won't say. It. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Was it? Uh, it was nobody we know. Note. No, no, it was like a religious talk. It was like a religious radio show, you know, a guy that's been doing it for forty years, and you'd think he'd, I don't know, by now you'd think he'd let his guest talk a little bit, but nope, nope, ce n'est pas. It totally reminded me of like of the sort of evangelical radio in the states, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, it's good timing because I'm getting ready to start socking some money away. Yeah, it's good. I wonder how you too, pay them. Do you think they charge on. you money? They just charge you cash, or no? They just take a little. They'll, they'll take around. a little out of your um, out of your investment. You know, it'll be maybe so a percentage or, or a, so or wait, a fixed fee. Or if the market crashes, does my money disappear? Yeah, it it cha- it goes. It, it doesn't disappear. It just dwindles. <laughs> you should be a salesman. <laughs> Slowly, slowly fucking mortgages. <laughs> it dwindles. But I mean, but I mean, that's your ability know, to afford the home. Account any, is your savings dwindles. account any any safer? I mean, I guess well, that's the thing I go back and forth on. Yeah, but I feel like it's just you know, it would be a good strategy to get it somewhere else. So even if you if you needed needed it, you can get it. But it's a pain, a little bit more of a pain to get it than just like. Interact. The way the American money is going against Canadian, it always make more money to save it in American. But it converts into a nice Canadian. Well, so Americans probably going to crash though. I mean, if, if when when everything shakes out here, America's money will will America. crash. Huh? Unless 
And well, here's the thing. I don't. I, I feel like gold and silver ain't really. You know what am I going to do with fucking fifty thousand dollars worth of silver? Well, it's an investment, dude. And, and if the shit goes down, you got silver bullets for the for the werewolves. Silver bullets. And, uh, I'm melting and, them down. And where am I getting the casings? Where am I getting the? <laughs> You'll figure it out. Where am I getting the, you know, there's a lot of parts to a bullet. He's not just throw some silver in a gun and boom. <laughs> I feel like, you know. You need something to kill the zombies and the vampires. The only plus on that would be if you could take the gold and silver and switch it into a currency that hasn't tanked. But if the whole world's tanked, no, that's you know? the gold and silver you want to keep for a long, long time. Anyways, that's an that's yeah, a that's like if you come to my house and you're like, "Hey, man, can I buy some of your food with some of this silver?" I'm gonna be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Because you remember when Go we had me something useful on. before I shoot you. <laughs> you remember when we had John sneezing on? I think and a couple other people at the beginning of Grand America Outlawed. So that would be like a year and a half ago, a year ago, and. They were suggesting you need some everywhere, right? And some cash, get some cash for sure. Get some gold and silver and get some crypto. I got and a pound of, course, of silver in a case with a gun. A pound? A pound. How big is that physically? Uh, that's quite a bit, actually. It's probably almost the size of my yeah, fist. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty, I guess it's only a few hundred bucks, like 300 bucks, probably less. Yeah. But I mean, gold and silver have gone up so much. I mean, you know what's weird? So speaking of financial investing and that, I I tried when Trump got elected, before he got elected, I was like, I want all my money out of this bullshit. It's, it's, the stuff's going to tank. I want it in gold. And so, and this is my RSPs. Like, it's not liquid money. It's just money I have, right? I want it in... Uh, Did you get your money? I want it in precious metals, like gold and silver and all that, right? And they they did it, and then they wouldn't allow it. Like we won't allow it in in that market. That's too risky, or I don't know what what their reasoning was. This is a couple of years ago now, so it's like, well, hmm, why is that? But I mean, it's super mainstream money investments, uh, RSP or um, mutual funds, and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, I guess just want maybe to they away have money for a year so I can buy this land finally. Yeah, but you can make something on it as you stock it away, right? I mean, you might as well go with something like that. And in the end, you'll get more money, you know? Well, I... Yeah, dude. And you'll you'll save it better. You'll, you'll, you'll track it better. You'll make some interest on it. Well, I... Yes, I'm telling you. You promise? Do you want to be my no. money manager? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone. It's all gone. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, bro. I paid off my visa with it. It's an investment <laughs> <laughs> in America. <laughs> Big thanks, Jessica Weaver, for coming on the show, the Money Queen. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks for one of our supporters. We cannot do this without you. It's more important than ever that you support the show. America.ca slash support. Check out our audiobooks too. That helps. Uh, adultbrain.ca. We got Gramerica Outlawed, our other bitchin' podcast, GramericaOutlawed.ca. Could be a one hour show for you. Could be a two hour show for you. It's up to you. Or I think that's it. Or you can buy my books. You can head over to Gramerica.ca. There's a little tab there. Darren's books. It'll take you over to both of them. I think that's it. Gramerica.ca slash chats. Contact at thecabin.com for the tours. 
We got that one coming up with Greg Carwood right away. It's going to be fantastic. And then we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Rage against